bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7-365 for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. You know, I'm really excited about today's show because I, as you know, I'm a huge wine lover, a wine drinker. I love to go to wine country. So when I heard that Wine Country Table was coming out this year and it will be out uh, actually this month, I was very excited. So imagine how happy I was to see that the author of this book, Janet Fletcher, was going to be one of our guests. So if you haven't heard of Janet before, I'm going to introduce a little bit about her and then she's coming on and we're going to talk about this wonderful book that you need to get immediately. But Janet is the author or co-author of more than two dozen books on food and beverage. Her weekly blog, Planet Cheese, is read by cheese enthusiasts all over the world. She's a longtime contributor to the San Francisco Chronicle. She's received three James Beard Awards. We know how much we love James Beard Award winners here. Uh, Her newspaper articles have been in the New York Times. She's been in Savor, Bon Appetit, Wine and Food, Food and Wine. She's a resident of Napa Valley. How much better does it get than that? She teaches cooking and cheese appreciation classes all around the country. She's living the dream there in Napa, and she joins us today. So thank you very much, Janet, for coming on. It's my pleasure, Lori. Thanks for having me. Let me tell you, this wine country table, I mean, how hard did they have to twist your arm to work on this? It is such a fantastic book. Right. This really was a dream project for me. I've been writing about California farms and agriculture and eating fresh and eating local for a very long time. And it was, this was an opportunity for me to deepen my knowledge, get to parts of the state I hadn't been to. You know, when we talk about wine country, I think a lot of people do first think of Napa Valley, but wine country is everywhere in California, up and down the state from uh, you know, from the north to the south. So it was really fun for me to get to see some of these wine regions and some emerging wine regions where some really exciting wines are being made. I could imagine, you know, I, I was born and raised in San Diego, so I was very familiar with what was happening in Temecula as I was growing up. And then I had uh, relatives in Rancho Cucamonga, and they were doing uh, some wine growing in, in that area. Uh, and Rancho Cucamonga was really not getting maybe the credit that it deserved because there was so much going on in in Northern California with Napa Valley and Sonoma and different parts up there. But then Temecula, I think, really started to pull people to the California wine region um, and started kind of putting Southern California on the map, at at least when, when I was there. And now it seems like it's just all up and down the state is wonderful wine. That, yeah, that's very true. Temecula is an interesting region because it's so close to Los Angeles. It pulls a lot of people who just do day trips. So the hospitality down there is is a big thing at wineries. They really um, put on a great, um, you know, just open door uh, welcome mat for uh, visitors at the Temecula area wineries. And, you know, the One of the highlights of the book for me was being down there of the book research and visiting a grower of 
um, proteas. Some people say protea. I say proteas, uh, a flower family that uh, they're being grown really in the high desert in the in the mountains there in northern San Diego County, very sustainably, very little water use, and it's. Uh, I profiled them in the book, this flower grower, uh, immigrant uh, grower from Mexico who has built a big business growing these beautiful uh, flowers that grow out of the desert. And they go into forests around the world by these blossoms. And uh, they go into you know really high-end bouquets and wedding bouquets. And it's just amazing what he's able to pull out of that, uh, out of that desert. Oh, absolutely. I am. Uh, I, remember when Temecula um, was just kind of on the verge. I remember, and I'm going to date myself, but Jack Klugman had gone in there. He was an actor in Los Angeles, and maybe people were still familiar, but he bought into the um, California Temecula wine um, dream at, at that time. And that's kind of how we started hearing about it in San Diego. And because Jack Klugman was on TV a lot, he bought into this, you know, dream of building up the wine in, in Temecula. And, and it started getting people talking about Temecula. And at that time in San Diego, it was kind of a, a, a haul from San Diego uh, through the North County up to uh, Temecula. Now it's just a normal day's commute for people. But that's just the great thing about California. And when I was growing up, sustainability wasn't really a something people thought about it was just a lifestyle that we led that we didn't even know that we were living because California was so abundant in so much produce and flowers, like you were saying. And so California has really led the wave for the world in sustainability without kind of even knowing that we were doing it. And that's another thing that your book really highlights in here with the recipes that celebrate California's sustainable harvest. Yeah, it really was. Thank you for mentioning that because it really was a key, is a key theme of the book, is to look at all the progress that California growers and vintners have made in becoming more sustainable. And I think the the kind of uh, light bulb moment for me was realizing that sustainability is um, this ongoing journey. You're never there. And I think the admirable thing that I've noticed about a lot of these growers and vendors is that they're constantly every year trying to get better to use less water to use less energy to improve their uh, employee practices um, sustainability i think you know, i think there's a uh, not a complete understanding among many people of what that really means it's a lot more than whether you spray or don't spray your mm-hmm. your grapes it has uh, it has to do with the whole system of uh, how you treat your employees, how you treat your neighbors, um, how you, of course, uh, you know what you use on your, uh, in terms of uh, how how you grow your your produce. But it's it's uh, how you uh, are you being um, responsible about the um, waterways on your property, uh, the riparian areas. That's uh, something that it, it, it sustainability is a big picture approach to to agriculture, and it was just really an, uh, enlightening for me to see all the different approaches that growers and vintners are taking to be more sustainable every year. 
it, it seemed like in the book that you had a lot of cooperation within the farm community and the wine community in helping put the book together with people sharing their stories and wanting to talk about what they were doing in, in that area of sustainability. Absolutely. I think that every, uh, every farm is a story, and that was uh, what I hope comes across in the book. The book really gives people a chance to go behind the scenes a little bit on some of these farms and vineyards. I mean, you hear people talk about, I, I hear this all the time, I want to know where my food comes from. <laughs> people mm-hmm. say that, you read that. This book, I think, really does give people a chance to understand who these people are that are growing their food, exactly where it comes from, some of the practices that are used uh, to bring it to the table. I, one of the highlights for me was getting to go to a, a prune farm, a, you know, a plum, dried, a plum ranch where they take their plums and they dry them. Almost their entire production goes uh, through their dryers and becomes prunes. And it's just beautiful to see all the fruit hanging on this tree. You can get 5,000 fruits, 5,000 plums off a single tree. <laughs> I wow. had no idea. And yeah, and these trees are old and they're gorgeous. And to watch them, to, to get to taste a fresh prune right out of the dryer was just a magical experience for me. There's nothing more delicious. So I, you know, I hope that the book takes people kind of behind the scenes and shows them really where their food is coming from and how hard these uh, families are working to be responsible farmers. In, in many cases, these are fourth and fifth generation farms, and they are, you know, adamant about wanting to pass down a property, a farm that's in or a vineyard that's in better shape than than what they inherited. Well, I think you really did a great job of portraying that in the book, and I think that you're right. I think there is a disconnect. Uh, with many people, I, I don't know if that's an American thing or if it's happening around the world. You might know better than than I do on that. But with a, a disconnect with where food actually comes from, how it's produced, how it's made. I had ran ran into a, a girl, I don't know, maybe a year ago or two years ago, um, and she actually thought. I mean, this was a person who had a college degree uh, from a very reputable college, and she thought eggs were, um, you know, a, a processed item that she did not know chickens laid eggs. And that always oh made my. impression on <laughs> We have work to do, we food writers. We have work to do. I had never seen asparagus growing. I'm, a, I'm an avid gardener, but I've never grown asparagus. And so I'd never seen them on a, on a farm. And to see these spears just pushing up through the you know, the bare ground is really cool. And the growers come along with these long, very long knives. And they, when they see that the spears are long enough to harvest and fully green, they'll plunge this knife down and kind of pull them up uh, from beneath the surface. And they have to come, they have to go through the same field um, like every few days because uh, the, the spears keep pushing. So one crown, which is kind of like the root system might push four or five spears, and then the next day there are four or five more. And uh, so it's this constant um, returning to the same field to harvest. And it's, it's, it's this kind of freakiest sight to see these spears pushing up through the ground. That's absolutely amazing. How, how long did it take for you to do this project? It, it had to be over quite some time because you put so much 
thought and effort in capturing the spirit of what was going on with with the farms and with the vineyards and with these with these growers you you did such a great job the photography really just takes us on this journey and you and you capture all of the wine regions up and down uh from northern california to southern california so it it had to be really a labor of love because you you can tell that you just didn't whip this book out that they, it, you really put a lot of time and thought and i'm sure your heart and soul into it uh yeah it was about a two-year project and i worked with two different photographers and of course we wanted to capture California's growing season a year round. Uh, so uh, the photographers were in the field and at the wineries for just every, you know, every part of the process um, from, you know, flowering to, you know, to, to, through to harvest. Um, and uh, I think it gives a sense of how agriculture is this. There's no downtime. <laughs> There's just no downtime. And it's uh, in California, we have, of course, this climate that allows us to grow uh, year-round. But even when there's not something being harvested, there's so much work to do in terms of composting or pruning. And uh, it's, it's a year-round um, growing season. And, you know, avocados, that, I had no idea that avocados don't really operate on a, a yearly cycle. An avocado can hang on the tree for 20 months, um, and it just gets – more and more oil and uh, richer and richer and uh, it's uh, it's an amazing experience to stand under an avocado tree and look up at all those especially if you love avocados like I do and stand mm-hmm. up and look mm-hmm. at that uh, you know hundreds of avocados on a single tree and know that they're just getting better every day well, you're really right about California having this perfect growing season and if if you really strip away from from the thought of California politics and traffic and soaring prices and masses of humanity from place to place and you just look at California at its purest it's the geography has to be some of the best on the planet and i've often imagined the wagon trains trekking across the plains and the deserts and then when they reached california what they must have felt like to see that and to 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 see that lushness and that beautiful soil and then you see the the uh, mountains and the hills and and the ocean and that spirit of of what i Felt that they must have felt and that I saw many times growing up as a child is really what captured me in your book. That same spirit of the magic of California that we don't often hear about that gets kind of buried with all the other things that we hear about California, whether negative or positive, but, but at its purest, California was really the land of milk and honey, and that really still exists today. And you've really brought that out so beautifully and so artfully in, in, in your book, The Wine Country Table. I truly enjoyed it, not only as a person from California or a wine lover, but just knowing that that land was still there and there were still people who believed in what it had to offer. It was, it was just, it just flowed so effortlessly from page to page in your book. Well, thank you, Lori. I think of it as a road trip. I hope readers will view it as a road trip that can take you from California from North to South. There's, uh, you know, every climate, wine grapes, every kind of wine grape, 
finds a happy home somewhere in California. So that's another uh, thing I hope people will learn from the book uh, is where, you know, what these different wine regions have to offer in terms of varietals and uh, the character that they give to wine grapes, whether it's at the coastal, you know, Sonoma Coast or the Temecula, as you mentioned, which is a completely different climate. Uh, uh, you know, the Central Coast, the Santa Rita Hills, there's for every grape, there's that perfect place. And uh, the book tries to, you know, capture that journey that California vintners have had to find where each type of variety does does best. But there's there's a, a microclimate for every grape in this state. Mm -hmm. Well, because you're so central to the core of the wine community uh, and what's going on in the wine industry, was there anything that really surprised you as as you went from place to place? Yeah, I would say I was really surprised by the um, way that vintners have used technology to help them cut back on water use, to help them cut back on, you know, inputs uh, like sprays. They, they the technology that they use for um, measuring water in the soil is very sophisticated, and they've gotten to the point where they can actually measure when an individual vine is stressed and actually turn on irrigation just to that vine or just to that row. So it has dramatically lowered the uh, amount of water that's used in um, California vineyards and the weather stations that can uh, indicate when they're really, there's enough mildew pressure to be concerned about it rather than just, you know, spraying sulfur on a schedule. They understand you know, it might not really be necessary uh, right now because they're getting very sophisticated weather information. Um, so technology, and this prune grower that I mentioned, he had, uh, for example, uh, has a very um, innovative way of treating his water, his processed water that they use to process the, the, the prunes to wash them. They use that water and earthworms to uh, kind of clean up the water, generate castings, earthworm castings that they can use for fertilizer, and they get clean water that they can use, again, for irrigation. So there are all sorts of creative um, ways that farmers and vendors are discovering that they can uh, cut back on energy use, water use, um, inputs, and it's, you know, it's just this constant innovation. Um, I think a lot of us think of farmers as these kind of old-fashioned folks who do things the way their fathers and grandfathers did. But farmers and vintners are, uh, some, I think, some of the most innovative people uh, on the planet. They're just mm -hmm. constantly looking for solutions. Mm -hmm. And are, are you seeing that carried from to states outside of California and then even more so even outside the United States and around the world, these ideas? Yeah, because I think people are now looking to California uh, for some of the, these answers. They are, California is a model. Uh, we have, you know, Europeans come here, uh, South Africans come here, Australians come here to look at for uh, solutions as well. So I think, yeah, we've been real, we've been in very progressive, very innovative mm -hmm. in finding some of the, the solutions, because of course the water, you know, the water issues, the energy issues, they're, they're the same everywhere. Um, so, I, yeah, I do think California has been 
an innovator on that mm-hmm. front and is leading the pack. So Absolutely. Proud of my state. <laughs> well, and, it was really a lot of fun to take all these uh, fruits and vegetables that I, um, you know, discovered on my journey and uh, turned them into recipes and uh, try to enlighten readers about fresh new ways to uh, use these uh, crops that California is so well known for. Absolutely. There's like 50 recipes in the book. There are uh, wine pairings and suggestions to go with the recipes. And and then, it, like I said, it's just a journey from place to place. And we really feel like that you took us on that journey with you. And you, I, I think there's even a more of a connection. And that's really what wine is about, our, our relationships. And so the, the book, you're getting to know the, the producers. You're, you're getting to know who grew the flowers. You're getting to know who grew the prunes. You're getting to know the avocados, the cherries, uh, and then, you know, the, the people behind these wines. And, and you make a connection to them. And, of course, you start pulling for them. You, you want them to do good. I started, you know, Googling some of these people and and finding out more about them as I was going through the book and and uh, putting down little notes you know I'm like oh, I would really like to try his wine and I'd really like to uh, uh, sample that but when I was growing up in California there were fruit stands abundantly everywhere and I know that when we had have relatives come back from the east they would always want to go to fruit stands they'd always say you don't know how lucky you are and it would just kind of go over my head and now that I live in Washington and we don't have access to year-round fruits and vegetables like like they do in California. I I just have all of those memories coming back about how lucky people were and how lucky we were in California that that I took for granted as a child growing up. But when when you know the producer, you start pulling for the producer. Uh, you want them to succeed. You want to be a part of that journey with them. And that was again, part of the magic of wine country tables, we, we felt like we were at the table and you can set your own wine country table, no matter where you, you don't have to be in California. You can take the spirit of this book and apply it and these recipes and your friendships and your entertaining wherever you might live. You don't have to live in California, but you can take that California spirit with you in through your entertaining and, uh, and, um, and your recipes. Absolutely. That's beautifully said. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, I, and, you know, of course, California, we ship a lot of our lion's share of our produce out of the state, and we provide with some crops like almonds, walnuts, avocados, we provide, you know, the vast majority of what people are um, finding in their own stores. So I think what's one thing that's really useful about the book is that it's something of a reference book mm-hmm. uh, because for all the these crops that California grows, I help people uh, understand how to select them, how to look for quality, how to store them properly. Uh, how, you know, so I think it's kind of a handy reference guide if you're a fruit and vegetable mm-hmm. lover. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, you you it's you don't have to just be into California wine uh, to love this book. Anyone who loves anything to do with uh, California, with wine, or with fruits and vegetables, or farming, or entertaining, uh, trying new recipes, everyone's going to take something away. It's a beautiful reference book, and it was beautifully done. And I know what I took away from the book. What, what do you hope your readers take away from the book? Well, I certainly hope they come away with a bigger understanding or a, uh, a deeper understanding of what sustainability means 
that it's uh, a whole system of uh, approaches to farming or growing wine grapes, and it's about constant improvement, uh, about getting a little bit better every year, and that we California growers have made enormous strides in um, farming and grape growing more sustainably. And I also hope that people just really do have a deeper understanding of where their food comes from and that uh, all these uh, fruits and vegetables and wines that come out of California are made by real people uh, with families and uh, in many cases uh, multi-generational families. And this is uh, – it's a one of the hardest ways to make a living you can imagine, but because you're at the mercy of Mother Nature, but it really um, makes food taste so much better when you can imagine the people behind them, when you have a picture in your mind of what that farm looks like and how that food got, um, you know, from the farm to the table. Absolutely. And it makes a wonderful gift. We have Mother's Day coming up. We have Father's Day coming up. So if somebody, you know, is, it's hard to buy for you never you never know what to get for them this makes a fantastic gift and it's going to be available you can get it on amazon and um, barnes and noble wherever books are sold and janet is on a book tour and you can go to her website janetfletcher.com and you can find out more about where she'll be there's lots of events going on where she's going to be talking and cooking and and signing books and you can really get up front and personal and ask her your your questions face to face and you can go to her website for more information on that. And of course, we all love cheese and you're really the guru when it comes to cheese as well. And, and your planet cheese, people can find you there as well. And, uh, and, and you can really set us up for success between the wine and the flowers and the fruits and vegetables and the cheese. I mean, we, do, we don't have any excuses. We need to know chicken lay eggs and we need to know that uh, what, what's going on and and what we have access to. And I really appreciate you putting all of this information out for us in this wonderful reference and beautiful journey for, uh, for us through, through, through the life that, that you're leading attached to, to really the, uh, the uh, farming spirit of California. Thanks, Lori. Yep, you know, as you said, you can lead a wine, you can set a wine country table anywhere. So I hope that's another message that people take away with uh, what you have, what you can get. It's more about a spirit uh, mm-hmm. than it is about actually being here in California. And of course our California wines go everywhere. So we hope that, I hope that what it, well, when you're cooking recipes from the book, you will uh, take some of the wine suggestions and, uh, you know, enjoy knowing that you're supporting a really healthy um, system of viticulture and agriculture in our state. Well, I'll tell you, I uh, have been a member of a wine club for many years in Napa. I don't really hear too much about them, um, but but I really love their wine. It's O'Brien Winery, and I'll just give them a little bit of a shout-out. I've uh, I've received their wines for a number of years, and um, they're just a a small little uh, winery, but they put out some amazing wines, and that's just one of many um, that are out there and that you highlighted many more in your book. Like I said, I've made notes and I Googled them and I'm going to buy some of their wine and California just does a fantastic job. And that's been proven over and over again through uh, all of their accolades and uh, medals that they've won. And, um, you know, California is right up there as arguably the West, you know, one of the, 
if not the best wine producing uh, regions in the world. So it's absolutely amazing and it's pleasure to get to talk to you and, and pick your brain just a little bit this morning. Thank you, Lori. It's been my pleasure. And you can find out more information at JanetFletcher.com. Makes a great gift. And we will be right back. December day, I saw her on the highway. I said I'm headed west. She said you're going my way. Then she got in with me somewhere in Tennessee. She snuggled up close to me. She kissed me and then she said, I want you to take me to the California ride. Then she whispered in my ear 